Action fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. I am Chris the Brain. Joining me, the cinephile himself, Chad Cruz. Chad, how's it going? You did say cinephile, correct? Correct. Okay, yes, that's me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> everything is going great. All right, and joining us once again, he comes from Georgia, where the peaches grow. They drink lemonade and they speak real slow. The real Todd Gaines back with us on the Bulletproof Podcast. How are you, Todd? R-T-G up in this bitch. What's up, guys? And there's that slow talking I just mentioned. All right. So before we get into uh, the uh, episode here where we're going to be talking about Brandon Lee, I want to talk about uh, a movie that came out, uh, The Mercenary. And I know, uh, Todd, this is a very important movie in your world because uh, it's blowing up on your uh, YouTube channel. Oh, hell yes. YouTube.com backslash Todd Gaines Talks. I reviewed The Mercenary. Ah, we didn't get a lot of hits on it for a couple weeks. But, buddy, the last week has exploded. Over 3,100 views, which is great for a guy with only 188 subscribers. So, you know, uh, yeah, it's a very big win for the Todd Gaines uh, YouTube channel, but also it's a great win for action fans because, man, people really need to watch this movie. And I'm hoping like hell that the message will get out and people will see it. I say, man, give it 15 minutes. Give it 15 minutes. If you don't like it, turn it off. And I also love that Jesse V. Johnson showed me some love on the Facebook CTV, you told me about that. I was like, that's awesome. Really cool. We still haven't heard from Dom, though. I'm pretty sad, but hey, hopefully, hopefully, the people out there listening look, go to buy the DVD, get it on VOD. It's worth it. It's worth the purchase. It's worth owning. I wish it was out before Christmas. I would have bought it as presents. I think, I think movies like The Mercenary. Uh, reinforce the idea that that these kinds of action films will at some point will cease to be made unless people buy them or rent them or at least you know like contribute in some financial way towards them because i mean even though they're, they're lower budget they just can't continue to make these movies and people pirate the hell out of them it's just not gonna it's not gonna happen right and i mean jesse v johnson is certainly kind of one of the 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 big contributors to the action genre over the past you know five ten years definitely do, doing a lot of work with Scott Adkins. This one was a rare non Scott Adkins one, but it was just awesome. Just has that that old school feel. Um, the the type of action movies that you know most of us who work on the site and I'm sure a lot of our visitors uh, to bulletproofaction.com stuff they grew up on. Uh, you know the 80s and the 90s and that real action you know not the the big blockbuster action movies that we you know have in the theaters now more of the the old school that low to mid budget film you know that's just there for action just non-stop action and uh you know not so much cgi and all that oh definitely we had a lot of practical effects 
And I think the biggest shocker was when I got that screener. And first, you know, it was a Jesse V. Johnson movie. And I'm like, okay, why are we getting Jesse V. Johnson? Because I was like, whoa, that's a step up. But then we realized it was uncorked. And I was like, oh, shit, same stuff. (laughs) But then we watched it. And Lord and behold. Yeah. I was, I mean, what? Like 15 minutes into the movie. I'm sending CTB a message. I'm like, bro, you got to watch this. And I did. And I loved it. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was like, I saw exactly what you saw. And then I'm like, yep, I'm in on this one. And you were doing the review. So I just got to sit back and actually enjoy the movie. I didn't have to take notes or worry about my review or anything. It was great. I mean, enjoying an action movie. It is a great feeling to just watch a movie and not have to write about it. I mean, that just, doesn't happen that often but when it does it's just great just to sit back and just enjoy the ride absolutely all right uh, moving on something happened uh last episode chad or actually something didn't happen do you know Mm. what that was um no i have no idea our streak ended we did not mention dolph lundgren can we go back and maybe edit that I almost thought about it when I was in the post-production studio. Hmm. You like that? Was that your your Star Wars podcast episode? It was a Star Wars episode. We didn't manage to. Why was I not invited to the Star Wars episode? Well, because we have a resident Star Wars uh, super fan. Well, I could have said that, you know, Dolph Lundgren would have been a better character, would have been a better actor than anyone in the Star Wars film. You probably would have brought up Gene Hackman. I would have brought up Gene Hackman and the the versatility of Gene Hackman. And really, I can't compare anybody from that movie from The Force Awakens to Gene Hackman's versatility. I want to retroactively go back and say that Dolph Lundgren should have played Chewbacca. And then that's the end. Or maybe he, we could have said it was a rumor that he was. Ooh. You know, there was that rumor that, uh, was it Daniel Craig was in Force Awakens? Yeah. He was supposedly a stormtrooper or something. Right. So maybe and Dolph Lundgren stepped in in the Chewbacca outfit at one point. Maybe you can go back into the the uh, description, the title description, and just slide in Dolph Lundgren's name. Maybe. You know, that but, counts, right? Yeah. Did anyone during the... Star Trek, I mean, Star Wars, excuse me, podcast, go whoa at all. Was there Absolutely any whoa? No, no we did not. I don't recall. And if they were, I'd probably deleted them. Uh, so, yeah. So, we'll, we, I, I know we're going to get back on the Dolph Lundgren track today um, based on mm-hmm. what we're going to be talking about here in a bit. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to remind everybody about BulletproofAction.com. Of course, the Bulletproof podcast is the official podcast of bulletproofaction.com where every single day of the week there is something new for you to read and enjoy hopefully uh and of course we also are on social media and coming up here soon i want everybody to stay tuned because you are actually going to be able to help shape one of the future shows here on the bulletproof podcast so keep your eyes peeled we're gonna have another challenge for everybody so if you are a part of uh, our twitter universe we're at bulletproof pod there uh on facebook and instagram at bulletproof action so be a part of that so you can help shape a future show here on the bulletproof podcast so you guys ready for our main topic of discussion 100 percent. we are dedicating this episode of the bulletproof podcast 
to the late, great Brandon Lee. Uh, Brandon Lee was born on February 1st, 1965 in Oakland, California. And his first bit of acting was in a Kung Fu, the movie, which is somewhat ironic given the history. It's almost like Hollywood was uh, giving out some reparations for what they did to uh, Bruce Lee where it came to Kung Fu, the series back in the 70s. Uh, Kung Fu, the movie. Anybody see that one? Well, we, I've seen I've seen pieces of Kung Fu the movie, okay. and one thing I want to say is uh, with Brandon Lee, and let's just let's just look at David Carradine and the story that you see. We actually are seeing that story, Bruce Lee's vision today. Right, you might have not have seen it that then, or back in the Kung Fu or the Kung Fu sequel, and the then the movie, the show that came on like on Saturday. What is the the legend continues? But we're right. seeing it today with Warrior that comes on well, it comes on Cinemax. So I'm kind of down with all the shit that happened because now we have like one of the most badass action shows on TV. And with Brandon in this film, I mean, I really just saw Brandon like he, he really he was a little stiff. It was almost like he was not it was like a Western, though. And, and I think he was just trying to just imitate his dad and just kind of just pay homage to his dad. But he just hadn't quite got his uh, his his fighting skills. This was kind of just like the, uh, the the practice, the practice round. Yeah, I mean, Brandon was he was he was still pretty young when this movie came out, uh, when he filmed the movie. It was his first film. So there's a lot of kind of growing pains there for him. And and his character is kind of asked to do quite a bit. Uh by comparison, you know, like he's, he, he basically goes from work and heel to work and face throughout the film. But I've never been, I've, I've seen them film. It, it's actually been many years since I've watched it, but uh, I've never been a huge David Carradine fan. And part of that is because, you know, I grew up watching Kung, like legit Kung Fu movies. And when I watch David Carradine fight and move on screen, it just does not feel like Kung Fu to me. No, and it's actually, I think Brandon plays like his estranged son in this movie as well. So what they ended up doing, though, is they thought, okay, well, we can get some more mileage out of this. So they filmed a pilot called Kung Fu The Next Generation, which the hope was that Brandon would be kind of the central figure in that. He was the star, um, but did not get picked up. It aired, uh, I think, over the summer of 1987, just when... CBS was instead of showing reruns, were throwing, uh, you know, unaired pilots basically. So there was fresh programming, but really weren't committing to anything. So interestingly enough, though, when Brandon's kung fu journey on TV did not pan out, just like his father made the jump over to Hong Kong, where he made Legacy of Rage. Which... Hold on, hold on, brain, hold on. Okay. I, I do have something to say about the pilot because I, I I've recently watched it, and and really the the reason for the failure was this uh, David Darlow, whoever the hell David Darlow is, kind of take took um, David Carradine's place, and he plays a, a Kwai Chang Kang character, like I guess great grandfather, grandfather, dad, whatever. But it's so the the whole. Episode is so like at AB, uh, CBS, ABC after school special, like, oh, dad, oh, dad, like, you know, Brandon's just there, just, you know, Brandon's a cat burglar, 
of all things. He's a cat burglar. He gets busted by the cops. His actual partner is actually Miguel Fuhrer, of all people. Brandon goes to jail. Daddy comes to bail him out. And then Brandon finally kind of learns the way of the Kung Fu. And then when he finds out Miguel Fears dealing drugs, not drugs, guns, he's like, oh, no, we can't have guns. And then David Darlow comes up and jumps up and does some crazy ass, just he does a Darlow leap. That's about all the martial arts you see. And then once again, Brandon is very limited fighting in this. It's just some simple punches and kicks. But he does what the one thing I did see, he does have that smile and that laugh, that kind of trademark Brandon Lee laugh. I did see that, but I just thought I'd share a little bit about that pilot. Yeah, I had never seen it. Um, and I'm sure that's yes. most of the world could say that because, again, it was yeah just shown one time and, and that was the end of it. Um, yeah, it's, it's actually on like YouTube, like the whole thing. And it was. 47 minutes and probably about you got about four minutes of it. It's that's worth your, I mean, if I mean Brandon Lee complete completest fans, I mean, you're going to watch it for one reason, Brandon Lee, you're not going to watch it for any other reason. Well, thank you. Look, Todd Gaines doing the research before the show. Look at that. R T hold on. R T G. Okay. Nope. You do realize nobody could see you. All right. Now moving on. <laughs> you were like making, like sign language or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. I think, yeah. he was doing the, I think he was doing the RVD thumbs. Uh, oh, okay. Even worse. Yeah, exactly. So moving on, as I was uh, mentioned earlier. So Brandon, you know, the Kung Fu thing doesn't work out for him much yeah. like it didn't work out for his dad goes over to Hong Kong, makes a movie called legacy of rage. And let me tell you about this one in the early days of the internet, this thing became like my Holy grail because uh, when, uh, you know, Brandon passed away, I started you know, researching and you were like wanting everything he ever did. I thought I saw everything he did and then found out there was this movie legacy of rage. There was this movie laser mission. So these kind of became these, like these movies. I'm like, where are they? You know, you, you didn't have Amazon where you, yeah, you didn't yeah. have YouTube. You didn't have all this stuff. It was like, what are these things? Where, why don't I know about them? Why have I never seen them? So this definitely was one of those uh, legacy of rage. Uh, I recently revisited this one. Uh, definitely uh, an interesting film. Uh, one of a kind film for Brandon as obviously he had a short career, but things, things that you can point out here is Bolo Young is in it and he has an altercation with him in an alley. Very similar to way of the dragon. Yes. Uh, Bolo versus Brandon. And also just another, I guess you could say enter the dragon as well. Cause Bolo fights Bruce. Well, yeah, obviously the, the Bolo connection, but the, that whole alley fight, because Brandon's working as a waiter in a restaurant. Yep. Right. They, they take the fight to, out to the alley. Definitely some, you know, more parallels to his father's uh, career and filmography. Yeah. I think that was kind of, you know, what they were going for, you know, for one, obviously the, the title, yeah, they put legacy in the title for a reason. Um, and while it's Brandon first, lead role it's kind of it's kind of one of those roles where you wouldn't expect it to be his first film as a lead star because there's there's a lot of weight there's a lot of substance to his character you know with like the revenge tale and and there's a lot going on between him and michael wong um so he he carries a lot in the film and and i think that 
between his performance. I don't think that the script is anything to like, you know, throw confetti at and like, you know, blow up some balloons for, but I think that his performance is fine. And I think the action in certain parts is amazing. And it's got that Hong Kong flair of the late eighties, which is just phenomenal. The, the, the final 10 minutes, the final 10 minutes is the money shot. Cause you kind of, the most of the movie is just that Hong Kong romance slash action with, Boy, girl, bad boy, boys framed for murder. I mean, yeah, framed for murder, goes to jail, comes out. But here's the big thing to me. Like the the problem with Legacy Rage is the is the Cantonese because that is not Brandon's voice that you hear. Even if you're watching subs, I, I, I believe the dubbing, I don't I, I don't know I don't know how good his Cantonese is. But I know Brandon's voice, and I listened to it. I listened. I was listening to it recently, and I'm like, "This is not Brandon." So you have to watch his his actions, his movements. But we don't get his voice; we get someone else's voice, and it kind of makes me sad. But I mean, a lot. That's how a lot of films were shot. I mean, half those guys that were in that movie couldn't speak the language. Right. I mean, yeah, that that's not a, a rarity for for a movie produced in Hong Kong. And one of the things that I, I found interesting about it and maybe it is because it's a Hong Kong produced movie and not an American one was they they didn't really play up. I think the prison uh, tropes as, as much as you would think you would see that in in an American produced film, like something like a death warrant. Yeah. Where where you're going to have the, the mess hall fight and, you know, they did have uh, what was it? The laundry room or something like that. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Where they kind of teased it, but he kind of just shut it down quick. Right. We do get a really cool prison quote, though. It's either "you kiss my ass" or "you call me Papa." So, <laughs> so I mean, that's that's something. That, and, is, that is something, Todd. And Brandon with his little buddy with the glasses, and and at the end they're both blasting everybody with Uzis. I mean, it's like kind of like if you would have started the beginning of the movie and how the movie ended, you probably never would have got to that point. I mean, I mean, how the movie ends, I'm like, uh, what the hell? I mean, at the beginning, Brandon's running like a, a little kid to the bus. Like, he, like oh, yeah. Her, yeah. her mom can separated on. from the, the, yeah, her mom. And he's like, she's like, let's play next time, uncle. Bye. So I, what I think about what's funny about his early career with this film and then with the next one we're going to talk about is if you piece the two of them together, if you take the character and I guess some of the story for the next film – and you take the action from this one, you got yourself a pretty damn good action movie. And you, and you really, you don't really have a lot of um, Brandon and his love interest in this movie. is It's a very simple, it's not, I mean, the chemistries to me was not there. And it just could just be just because, I mean, her, her part was poorly written. I mean, she, in my opinion. So we don't have that, that, that chemistry at all. But in the next movie though, we might have some chemistry. So, yeah, he liked a motorbike probably as much as he uh, liked the girl in uh, Legacy of Rage. But uh, again, the yeah. thing to, to really think about is this is like his third thing he did, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's yeah. And in the the presence he has, though, it's like one of those things you can't teach screen presence. He just had it, and uh, obviously, somebody was smart enough to take advantage of it. So let's uh, roll on to a movie called Laser Mission, even though I'm 
fairly certain, if memory serves me, there is no laser in it. Um, not the best movie in the world, uh, but again, it, it does give us, you know, in, in this world that we're, you know, the fact that Brandon had such a short career, it's like you kind of still cherish this because <laughs> we don't have much to work with here. So I, I just want to say one thing before we get into it, too. Sarge, Sarge, you're you're a woman. You're a yeah. woman, Sarge. Yeah, that That's- whole... That whole B story of the thing with those two. So, okay. So help me figure out something about the setting in this movie, guys. So is it in, okay, they're in Cuba, right? Mm -hmm. And there's the commies, the Russian commies, and then somehow they go to the desert. So is that the Cuban desert or do we know where they go? Because, I mean, it's not, I don't think they left Cuba during the movie. Um, I think they because doesn't he go back to where does he go? He goes back to either to America or to the embassy or somewhere, and they send him off on his. They I, go I somewhere. They, they they go they go to some sandbox, but but thankfully his his um lady friend and her blue what's that a blue blouse that with her blue dresses yeah and those 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 tits are just like they they want to wow. pop out they they want to pop out like the whole movie you're like please pop out. And she has high heels on like the whole time. And then right when Brandon's about to, right when they're about to score and like Brandon's about to reveal what's underneath the uh, blue blouse, what happens? It cuts. They cut it. Yeah. I, I remember that, that scene, especially <laughs> that specifically that scene. Because sure. you know, I, up until recently I haven't watched laser mission and I mean, over 20 years and i remember i bought this very early in my dvd buying career um at like a odd lots for like two dollars you know it was like really super cheap and i couldn't believe that brandon lee was in a movie and it was being sold that cheap because i'd only seen him at that point in in probably rapid fire and uh and showed it in little tokyo or the crow or whatever and uh so i had to i had to pick it up and i absolutely hated the movie but there was one scene that had that showed true promise, and it was the scene that RTG was just talking about, and I was cheated out of it. Yeah, you know, as a twelve-year-old, I was cheated out of it, and even watching it recently, still felt cheated. I mean, it I makes mean, you wonder if there's a is there a director's cut out there? Is there more? I would love to see more of a. I believe her name's Debbie Monahan. I don't. She, I wouldn't I watch the whole movie, but I'd, <laughs> watch I'd the probably wait to hear. Or... Yeah, I just want to hear if it's there. And well, you know, but Brandon, Brandon's pretty badass with this one with his uh, holding that big ass gun when they're when she's driving and he's firing guns out the van. Were they like in a yeah. van or a truck? And there are parts in the movie I liked. I, I think it. Yeah, it's a fun character. It's it's this is nothing original, but it's fun and he's it's a simple movie. He's got a mission and he, he picks up this girl and you know, they're going to go rescue her quote unquote dad. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like it, everything's a struggle in the film, like the acting, the characters, the, the stories, uh, nothing is like, nothing goes over. Well, I, I caught something too with the uh, casting of Ernest Borgnine of all people. I mean, how desperate for money was Ernest for this one? But uh, he is his Russian. He refers, I believe, he's like they're going to kill the. He's supposed to say witnesses, 
but I swear he calls them witnesses. I guess it's a it's a Russian thing, like vodka witnesses. He's like, they're going to kill the witness. They're going to kill all the witnesses. And I'm like, Ernest. But I was still just praying that for some reason uh, Debbie would drop her top, man, because <laughs> I can't. I, I just can't understand. I mean, I, we got to give up for those shoes, though. Those high, I mean, in the sand, high heels in the sand. I mean, that's that's huge. You know, the irony of real Todd Gaines uh, talking about somebody mispronouncing a word is awesome. All right. Uh, which one did I mispronounce this time? Who, who knows? <laughs> Let, let's just move on. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna pre- I mean, you're, you're the fan. You're the uh, Bridget Nelson fan club president. So you tell me what you mispronounce. All right. I didn't. Brad, what, what was I talking? I, I was talking about Debbie Monahan. It's okay. Look in the archives. All right. Moving on. Are we all done right. with laser mission? Yeah, I've, I've yeah, mispronounced I, so many things. Yes. I uh, think we can, all, we can all move on from laser mission. Oh, Matthias. Yes, Matthias. Yes. That might be accurate. I don't know. Matthias, Matthias. That um, one I'm still do I have about. anything else on? Well, okay. Also, uh, a shout out to the director, BJ Davis. Did yes. a, lot of, a lot of stunts. I mean, Universal yeah. Soldier comes to mind. I mean, American Ninja Two, the American confrontation. Mm. He he was he was on a lot. Um, Brandon's really only martial arts in this film. Well, there's one scene when he kind of does a Marty Janetti drop kick, and he kind of just falls to the ground. To, and they roll in the sand. He drop kicks drop kicks the bad guy. They roll into the sand, and also. Big shout out to the villain who just refused to freaking die in this movie, man. He kept like he, he got shot, he fell, he got up, he got ran over, he got back up, he got blown up, he got shot again. I mean, that damn commie wouldn't die, yo. Was this was this the same bad guy who was trying was getting kind of rapey? Yes, and that and that's just awful. And that's just awful to show in films. Yeah, that's that's that was, why he was coming back. He was yeah. He, he wanted a piece. Of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he probably even got the closest. Well, Brandon got with her, but we didn't get to see it. But that damn Russian, man, them, them, them commies. What can I say? Pictures or it doesn't count. All right. What? Showdown in Little Tokyo. Quite we the have, step up. We have arrived. It's, this one was actually number one on our oh, Dolph Lundgren countdown. Um so there, there's my Dolph Lundgren reference. But obviously, we're going to be talking a lot about him because the chemistry between Dolph Lundgren and Brandon Lee in Showdown in Little Tokyo, off the charts. This is a great buddy cop type movie. And as you said, Chad, a huge step up from what Brandon had been doing. Yeah, it's funny because it's number one on the, on the Dolph Lundgren countdown, but I, I don't think it's number one on the Brandon Lee countdown. Oh, no, no. Uh, probably not even number two, but... Still, um, yeah, I mean, going from Legacy of Rage to Laser Mission, there's obvious growth. You you see his his care his charisma kind of shining through. Uh, the character that he plays in Laser Mission, he gets he gets to be himself a little bit more. I think as far as like 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 Todd was saying that smile, you get to see more of him in the character. And then I think in Showdown Little Tokyo, he adds some of that a little bit more of that humor. And then just being able to play off of Dolph Lundgren and, and him being like that stoic, uh, laconic dude 
like, I mean, it, it speaks for itself. You watch the action. It's phenomenal. And you see the lethal weapon, like chemistry between the two of those guys. What more can you ask for? Right. And, and the fact, and we mentioned this, I think in, in episode one, where we talked about the Dolph Lundgren countdown, they kind of trade places from what you would think. Uh, you know, one of them is a martial arts expert. One of them just kind of this cocky uh, cop. And uh, it was Dolph, who's the martial arts expert and Brandon, who's the, right. who's the cop. So interesting, uh, interesting dichotomy between the two of them. Great film, Todd. Any thoughts you want to share? Yeah, sure. One is, of course, you have the right to be dead. I mean, it's a great quote. And also, Brandon talking about he wants to go um, eat the uh, sushi off the hot naked chicks or or something like that. I mean, there's so many quotes in this movie from Brandon. but And, of course, the, the biggest quote of them all is, of course, the – I think uh, Chad knows this quote very well. And so does CTV as you had the biggest dick on a man, on a man I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. One of the most famous quotes from nineties action. And of course they had to put on a man, you know, and he's right. also like when he's talking to uh, Tia Carrera or, and he makes some kind of comment about how, or he's talking to Dolph and he's talking about how she's seen him naked. So she's scared of him. And just one of those little quotes, but, uh, this this one with uh, with Brandon, the, the the sidekick role. I guess when I was younger, it was almost just too corny. But as of course as, as I've gotten older, I've, I mean I've grown to just love this movie, and I, and I I love Brandon's character in this, and I understand that he is the sidekick to Dolph because Dolph is the star of this movie in my opinion. I mean, yeah, Brandon, I think Brandon's definitely the definitely the sidekick. He but, he, he is, but I mean Dolph gets the girl. Yeah, that's what yeah. I always look to. Who gets the girl? Yeah, that's usually yeah. the the main the main guy. And but Brandon plays the psychic well because he's not, you know, he's not put down. I I think no. even when when Brandon and Dolph fight briefly, it's not like Dolph is just beating the shit out of him. You know what I mean? Um, and to me, like, what makes this film so great is that yeah, you have great chemistry between Brandon and Dolph. But they they're able to play off of amazing villains. Oh yes. When, when yes. you put great villains in an action movie, and they're threatening, and there's potential for someone to die. I mean, who who normally dies if you have a sidekick in a film? It's normally the sidekick. Every, every almost every time, yeah. Yeah. So there's the threat of people dying. There's a potential for Brandon Lee to die, and it makes his character like pop even more. Right. And I think it, it was a, a smart move uh, as well because, you know, Masters of the Universe and Red Scorpion didn't exactly break uh, box office record. So it's like they almost felt like Dolph needed a little something extra in his movie. Right. Like maybe he wasn't quite ready to, to carry the whole thing. So you put Brandon Lee in there and it helps kind of carry some of that load. And I think, you know, it worked perfectly. And then it plus it's directed by uh, Mark L. Lester. So. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing about Lester, man. Lester, the. Director uh, Commando, uh, Night of the Running Man. Night of the Running Man, one of my favorite films of all time. But uh, And also with Dolph, too. Movie before this, I Come in Peace. And he had a sidekick there, too. And they right. let and they let Brian Benben live, of all people. So if you let Brian Benben leave, you live, you almost got to let Brandon live, right? Yeah, that's a rule, yeah. All right, well, anything else on Showdown in Little Tokyo before we move on? I have a question first. Yes, sir. Is that a body double for T. Carrere? It is. 
It is. 100%. Wow. In the world. Yeah. So, our, our, yeah. Without. So quick with his nudity, nudity, nudity yeah. knowledge. Now, which, it's, that's a, that's it, a tongue twister. It definitely has a lot of nudity in the movie, and it's actually probably one of the – has some of the – well, a lot. If you compare other action movies to the time, it has more nudity. It has more nudity than a lot of Andy Sedaris movies. So wow. that's saying a lot. Yeah. That's, that's big time. Well, yeah, yeah, the sushi girls help put it over. The sushi, the 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 salt, the the bathhouse. Yeah, some right. girls there. Yeah, they're yeah, everywhere. Cute. Love their naked chicks. Oh hell yeah, dude! I I applied there, but yeah, probably didn't have good. Did you put uh, Todd as a reference? Yeah, put, put yeah yeah put me in a reference. Not get you very far. Yeah. Well, we're going to get on to the movie. You talked about what's Brandon Lee's number one movie and how it wasn't showdown in little Tokyo. In my book, it is this one. It is rapid fire. It came out in 1992. It's the summer that everybody was listening to Hardline, or maybe not, but you certainly heard them in rapid fire. What a fantastic action film. This is the one that really showcased Brandon Lee. This is the one that was like, Oh my God, this guy could be a star. Are we uh, all old enough to where we saw this when it came out and we were down with Brandon Lee before, you know, cause a lot of people became Brandon Lee fans after the crow or during right. the crow, but this, I mean, my God, I mean, I mean, what can we, what, what can you not say? This is the film when you finally get to get the complete Brandon Lee, you get the charm, you get the gun skills, but you also get the martial arts and he gets to fight Al Leong and probably Al Leong's best role ever. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I mean, yeah, this, go ahead, brain. I was to say this one. Yeah. This was opening day at the theater for me. Uh, I was there. I was all in on the, on Brandon Lee and, and that apartment scene where he's, you know, under what witness protection. Yeah. Those guys, he f- figures out, wait a minute, <laughs> these guys aren't, you know, these aren't my buddies. Just awesome. That where he's just starts, just starts fighting. And it's like, wow, this guy is awesome. Chad. Yeah. Brendan Lee, he, especially in this film, he really shows his love for Jackie Chan cinema, I think. Cause you know, Jackie Chan, like, you know, you know, obviously his, his own stunt work is kind of like what he's known for in his career. Um, but I always think of like escapism, right? You know, Jackie Chan could escape any room. If you give him like four inches, he can, he's getting out of that damn room. And Brandon Lee does that in this film multiple times where he like, he jumps up and he slides between, you know, like posts or he, he dives under a table and slides between a fucking crack in the floor. I don't know what he does, but he's always sliding in and out of rooms. And I, I think that part of that is like his love for Jackie Chan uh, yeah. action comedy movies where he was always able to do that. But he also, again, has an amazing person to play off of, and that's Powers Booth. Right. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, Powers Booth, great supporting uh, actor for him. And I was just going to say to what you were saying, like he uses his surroundings to his advantage. You know, oh, like yeah. Everything's fair game in this fight. It's not just, you know, I'm going to fight you. It's, hey, anything could be a weapon. Anything could be an escape route. It's, it's awesome. But, yeah, Powers Booth, one of my favorite Powers Booth roles. Without a doubt, and what a great guy he is! I mean, awesome as a as a hero in this one, wonderful as a villain as well in in uh, sudden death with with Van Damme. And he 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 might not be the best bowler in the world in this movie, but I mean, he is just a badass. And just 
for the record, for anybody listening, Kate Hodges' nude scene is also a body double. Damn it. Shut up. I'm sorry. She actually does have one that's not. I, I, I don't know the movie off the top of my head, but that love scene that Brandon has is once again another body double. That's not Kate Hodge. But I mean, this one has like one of the, like the coolest endings ever. You know, they're just riding in the ambulance together after they're all three, the trio. Because there's kind of like a little love triangle, sort of, with uh, they both yeah. like uh, Kate Hodge, but them all just riding in the ambulance. Everything's over. You know, everything's hard probably, line playing. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. yes. I think the love triangle is they both love Jake Lowe. Oh, it, 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 you got a good point. Yeah. It, it was funny. It was brain when you were talking about everything's a weapon. I started to uh, immediately think back to how many times he hits someone in the face with a door. Like he's always opening doors and smacking someone in the head with him. Uh, and if you go back and watch the film again, you pr- I bet there's at least four times where it's like a refrigerator door or a bathroom door, or a freaking uh, laundry, like the the lawn, the dryer door. I think he hit somebody with that. There's a bunch of times in it. Um, sliding door, I think a doggy door. Um, if there's a door, he used it is what you're saying. Yes. I'm going to have to keep track of that. I did get the Blu-ray recently, so Ooh. I'm going to be watching that and I'm going to be counting doors. And something else that's really cool is the evolution of, of the bad guy. I mean, you have Nick Mancuso at the beginning who's just menacing as hell. And you're like, this guy's got to be the final boss. But we don't, you know, he gets destroyed by Al Leong. Al Leong gets to dress up like a cop and burn him to death, I think, right? Does he burn him or shoot him? No, he shoots him with Dark Ninja. It's it's a ninja star. He ninja stars his ass in prison. That would be a shuriken. That's how I want to go. But then we also have the main bad guy. Now, help me pronounce it. Is it Tizma? Tizama? Tiz, how, do, how do you say it? Tizima? Yeah, Tizima. 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 But, or Bridget Nelson. I don't know. Uh, oh, shit. Now I know what I've been calling her. Brid- excuse me. Bridget Nelson, right? Yes. Yes, that's it. Yes. Flavor. How long have I been calling her Bridget Nelson? Probably your whole life. Uh, a shout out. You know, we have Dustin N- Nguyen from what? 21 Dr- Jump Street at the beginning yes, of the movie. And, and, you know, uh, Brandon's father. We have like the Chinese, like the protesters and that gets ran over by the tank and his dad gets killed. And so he doesn't want to do a thing, this political bullshit, but he gets kind of like tricked by the naked girl to come to the little uh, fundraiser. I would have fallen to the same trap. Oh yeah. I mean, but I mean, he was having so much fun drawing her naked and then she invites him to the little show and he gets to ride his motorcycle. And doesn't, I think he gets to ride out of the the building. Doesn't the, doesn't he ride out of the building on the motorcycle too? Yeah. I think that if, if Brandon Lee were alive today, he, he and I would probably be motorcycle buddies. Yeah, and Brand, yeah, Brandon loved to ride. You don't even own a motorcycle, Chad, so that'd be difficult. He and I and Chris Van Dam. I was I was about to say CVD, right? CVD. KVD. KVD. Man, I can't do. I don't know. Three of us, man. Yeah, just rolling around. That's your dream. Yep, hundred percent. Is is this one of like if you guys were just to make a list and like, okay, you could only watch. 10 movies for the rest of your life would 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 this be seriously considerate considered one of the movies you would pick i would yeah i, I think yeah. it'd be in, in into consideration yeah. i don't know if it would make yeah. the cut but yeah i would I mean, definitely it, have to 
think I mean, about it. I mean, I can't think of something. I can't think of anything I don't like about this movie. I mean, I mean, rapid fire. I love, I mean that with Brandon running his shirts off, he's almost like doing hurdles, like the trailer. Can you know right. he's and that less small little alley, that small, whatever. I, I just, I, there's, I, I can't say enough about this movie and really how it changed my life just because of how huge of a Brandon Lee fan I was with this movie. So, and of course, when we go to the next one and what happens in the next one, I mean, this is when it starts getting sad. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to have just a moment just to, of before, before I break down. So I'm just going to stop now. To me, rapid fire was kind of, uh, the culmination of like, so, so, Bruce Lee, this uh, otherworldly figure, dies young. Brandon Lee grows up in this massive shadow, and he can't escape it, right? He's in Legacy of Rage, uh, Legacy of Rage, Legacy of Bruce Lee. He he does laser mission. It, it's not good. It's bad. <laughs> um, he gets another ch- – well, he does Kung Fu. I'm sorry. That's also in the shadow. So he gets another chance. He goes into Showdown Little Tokyo – where he's a sidekick, essentially. It, almost like a Kato. So. Wonderful movie, almost yeah. like Kato, sidekick. Uh, and then Rapid Fire is finally his opportunity to step out, yeah. to be the hero, and to be likable, and to have, I mean, to be in a really, really awesome film, you know? Yeah, I mean, and you bring that up, you know, in the shadow of his father, and how could you not be? Uh, I mean, right. Bruce Lee. And I, it's almost like... Maybe it was early on enough because I think with every passing year, you know, the the myth and legend of Bruce Lee grows and grows and grows. But yeah, Rapid Fire proved that yeah, he's he is Bruce Lee's son without a shadow of a doubt, but he could stand on his own. Yeah, he I wonder he's a star. And and in some ways, you know, he could have gone in directions that, you know, Bruce Lee was not going to be able to go in, especially back in the seventies. Yeah, most uh, definitely. You know, Brandon, you know, Brandon, you know, having the American mom obviously was not as stereotypical Chinese as, as, as his father. So, you know, you had more roles, more, more things would be open to him back in, in the nineties. Nowadays, you know, it's free game and, and people could do whatever they want, but you know, you still had some of that typecasting and whatnot, but I think Brandon would have avoided all that. And just that natural charisma. And again, that what I talked about earlier, that screen presence you can't teach screen presence. He had it, and I think he could have branched out. He he didn't. He wouldn't necessarily have to stick to action movies. He could have been doing anything. Right. right, and he mentioned. I mean, if you watch, it's funny if you go back and watch any interviews with him um, when Rapid Fire came out. He, the first seventy percent of every interview is about his dad and about growing up with his dad, and then when they finally get to his career, it's how are you like your dad? How are these movies like your dad's? And then there's usually a little bit at the end where you kind of get a little bit of Brandon Lee. And it's typically him talking about how he wants to do something more than just fighting movies where he, you know, I wanted, you know, wanting to do, you know, Macbeth, they wanted to do Shakespeare or something like that. And to like kind of test himself uh, and challenge himself. And, and that, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that's where he was going after, after the crow. Yeah, I think he could have been absolutely a legit leading man in, in any movie you wanted to put him in. And, you know, it's funny because earlier today I was thinking about uh, when he died and what movies he might have been just amazing in. 
And for whatever reason, I thought, I was like, oh, he could have been Neo in the Matrix. I was thinking the same damn thing. That's and crazy. I, you know what? Earlier today, I, when I got off work, I pulled it up and I found something where at some point he was considered for that. Like they, he was someone that the uh, Wachowski siblings uh, were, they were thinking of him when they, when they were writing the character. And I was like, holy cow, that that's perfect. He would have been amazing. And, and one of the people I compare him to, to just kind of tell you that Brandon did have that it factor is you look at somebody like Chad McQueen, you know, he was in the same boat. Yeah. Steve McQueen, his dad passed away, you know, way early. And here he was and following his dad's footsteps. And yeah, he had some movie roles, but he, he never even came close to somebody. You'd be like, Oh yeah, this is going to be the guy. It yeah. He never, never happened. Right out. Yeah. So, so let's think about this real quick. Who, um, there's one on, you know, off the top of my head that I'm thinking of, uh, but who are actors whose fathers were larger than life stars who were able to kind of fight their way out of that shadow? Michael Douglas. Right. That's the first one I came to my mind. And at what point during his career did he make that leap? You know, did he make that next step? Fatal attraction, maybe Michael, but that's he'd been acting for a while uh, or before that. Yeah, oh, rom- romancing, like maybe, romancing. Yeah. I would say maybe the romancing the stone movies is where, yeah, he kind of became his own thing and those, those did so well. And then, then the, then you had the fatal attractions and the wall streets and everything that started to follow the game. That's a good one. All right. So now we come to the bittersweet part of, of the podcast and we're going to talk about the crow. Um, this one, uh, you know, obviously passed away during the filming of it. Um, they were able to complete the film, uh, this one I remember being the first movie that I ever got to go to like an early screening. They had like some preview like two nights before the, the big opening and uh, remember going to it because obviously a, a big Brandon Lee fan and wanted to see his final film. Um, very much a uh, product of its time. Definitely. It had that, the whole industrial rock soundtrack, just that grunge feel, you know, that was kind of the big thing in pop culture at the time. Um, and, and, you know, just an eerie, eerie performance, you know, the character and, 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 you know, obviously what happens happened to him in, in reality, it's kind of an eerie thing to watch. Not one, you, you know, it's not like rapid fire where you want to pop that thing in any day of the week. It's, you, you got to kind of be in the right frame of mind to watch the crow. If you ask oh, me. oh Lord. Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, I still remember hearing about his death on the NBC nightly news with Tom Brokaw. And I, and I've said this before, maybe that it's only been two times when real tears from RTG is shed real, real tears of when a celebrity dies, because we don't really know celebrities, but there's two times Brandon Lee and Paul Walker. It's the only times I've ever been really just truly devastated by, by a celebrity's death. But Brandon, and and I, I seem to remember that we knew about The Crow being filmed. I mean, because think about today, we, we know about stuff. We know about stuff going on. We know about what movies are getting made. But I seem to just have just known that he was making this movie. And that's kind of like, we didn't know like when we were kids, like what our favorite actors were doing, unless we were going to like the movies and seeing trailers. But yeah, we weren't as tapped in back then. And I, 
I mean, now you could, you know, they're yeah, totally yeah, cool yeah. Now you know what people are doing for you know movies that are coming out for like next ten years. Yeah, I could tell you how many times Harrison Ford farted on the set of Star Wars: The Force Awakens, but back then it was like I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't even know he died um, oh, until after the film had come out. Oh man! So I, I remember watching it kind of clean slate and just being absolutely mesmerized by it and. I was kind of at, you know, an early teen age to where, I, you know, you, you, all angsty and whatnot. And I don't know how many years that I wanted to be the crow for Halloween. But I think that if you didn't want to be the crow at some point for Halloween in the 90s, then are you really a night, you know, were you really alive then? I mean, the crow, it, I mean, it's his deepest film. It's. It, it really felt like it was kind of a passion project for him, which, you know, being that he, being that he died filming it, I'm glad he was able to make it because it felt like if, through interviews and stuff like that, it felt like this, this was like him, you know what I mean? Like he was all in on this character. He was all in on the story. He got it. He understood it. And the writer, I mean, like everybody looked at his performance and was like, oh shit, this is it right here. So, I mean, you no one wants to one of their favorite actors to die on set, but I mean, if you get if you get to pick the way you're gonna go, you know, maybe this was it. Just watching like each of the death, I mean, the way he gets revenge, and just watching that scene with a fun boy that I believe maybe when the gun was accidentally discharged into Brandon Lee. I mean, you just get this just just eerie, like y'all said, just like this eeriness. But each of the guys that he kills, I mean, he kills them in just such like almost brutal. I mean, such a great revenge movie. I mean, the only faults you can look at it is it's a sign of its time. So it has not aged like fine wine, but not all movies are intended to age. And with the little kid, the story with the little kid. I'm like, I think we could have done without the kid, but Ernie Hudson is is a good sidekick to Brandon Lee in this, and and, I, and Michael Wincott, Mac, as Michael Michael Wincott as one of the greatest names, you know, top dollar. I mean, what a name for a bad guy. And I believe Tony Todd. This is Chad's favorite role from Tony Todd, right? Oh was, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and he plays one of the this he plays he, his henchman role is one of one of my favorite henchman role as well. Like I kind of compare it to and hard target Arnold. I'm going to destroy a name again. Arnold Vosloh, whatever his name is, Lance Hendrickson's like number one guy in hard target. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This crew of henchmen. Yeah, yeah this like, RoboCop maybe is better. Other than RoboCop. I mean, think of another henchman that's better. Yeah, we. I mean, I mean, Ten Ten, T Bird, Skunk. Yeah. I mean, we got we got old buddy from from the Warriors. So, kind of kind of like the old school coming in with them. Must be something about Detroit where they just produce quality henchmen. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, both RoboCop and the Crow, obviously in Detroit. So, you know, Brandon Lee, the Crow, his final movie. I, Interesting career. I mean, it's like it was short, but he did it all. He he had his TV movie. He had a, a 
chance at a Hong Kong picture. He had the movie that you kind of have to give him a pass on. <laughs> he had a big team up movie, his big solo, awesome action film, and then his comic book adaptation film. Yeah. I mean, he had a short career, but he jammed a lot into it. Uh, a lot of different things I should say into it. Uh, obviously missed. I mean, Brandon would be what? 55 right now. Uh, and yeah. and when, when you think about the Stallones and the Schwarzeneggers and obviously the, the Charles Bronson's and Chuck Norris's, you know, 55 is nothing. Right. I mean, he could still be, I mean, I would assume he'd be a part of the warrior show if not uh, on screen, definitely oh, yeah. a, a, a part of the creative or the executive producer. So Shannon, his sister. Yeah. Shannon's on yeah, Shannon's doing that right now. So Brandon Lee, definitely. Uh, we miss him. Uh, so many things that could have been, but glad we got what we got. Um, and as I said, a, a bittersweet uh, episode of the Bulletproof podcast, but we're going to wrap it up with something fun. Uh, we talked about rapid fire, Whew. Brandon's best movie. I've got some rapid fire questions for both of you. Five each where I'm going to just shoot it out there. And the first thing that comes to your mind, you shoot it back. You guys ready? Boobs. Well, all right. All right. Chad Cruz, I'm going to start with you. Your favorite damsel in distress ever. Yes. Uh, Diane Lane from streets of fire. All right. Todd Gaines. Here's something since you felt left out favorite star Wars movie, the Mandalorian. Right. <laughs> now oh, oh, for real, uh, we'll just say empire strikes back. Yeah. That, that's a safe, safe pick. Chad Cruz, worst Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Oh, I'm going to say the order, <laughs> the order. All right. Todd Gaines, favorite action TV show. Oh shit. Uh, 24. All right. Chad Cruz, favorite episode of the Bulletproof podcast. Episode one, dog Dolph Lundgren. All right. Uh, Todd Gaines, worst Chuck Norris movie. Top dog. Oh, brutal. Chad Cruz, favorite GI Joe character. Snake eyes. Todd, favorite movie theater snack? Popcorn. With lots Chad, of favorite... Oh, okay, butter. Buttered popcorn. All right, Chad, favorite action movie soundtrack? <laughs> Streets of Fire, dog. All right. No, wait, 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 wait. I'm taking it back. Rocky IV. Oh, okay. oh James Brown. Still not buried, guys. Still not buried. Okay, thanks for the update. And last one for Todd Gaines. Yes, sir. Favorite Bruce Lee movie? Uh, Enter the Dragon. Just safe. But uh, also, I love the hell out of Jim Kelly. So, uh, And John Saxon. So I love that film. Well, guys, we're going to wrap things up here. Chad, the YouTube channel, Bulletproof yes. Media. Anything uh, interesting coming up on the YouTube channel? You know, there, this is where I always ask you. There are some interesting things coming up. I actually have a little bit of news. So I've been buying up. Uh, some some new equipment. I'm uh, I'm raring to go. I've got some ideas coming. Got some uh, a new series that's coming out. I'm hopefully hopefully going to film this weekend. Um, called Second Chance Cinema. It's where I'll be watching films that I absolutely hated in the past, and I'm giving them a second chance. Hmm. I like so it. I have some reviews coming up. Hopefully next week. Could be two weeks. 
from now. Um, continue on with the Thursday night fights from from Chris the Brain and myself. And then I've got some uh, some other things that I'll probably talk about on the next podcast that are in the works that that are uh, very actiony, and uh, I think I think people are going to enjoy it. All right, well that's that's the the hope for all of our our podcast. We hope you're enjoying that. We hope you enjoy bulletproofaction.com, and yes, our YouTube channel, which you could subscribe to at Bulletproof Media. Hey, also, I got something to plug that I'm going to be covering for BPA, man. Uh, the new season of Stripe Back comes out Valentine's Day. So we are we're going to cover – I'm going to cover every single episode, the last final 10. I'm committing to all 10. I'm committing to 10 because Section 20 deserves the closure, and I can't wait to see how the story plays out. I took a little bit of time off from the show because I love the main character. I love Scott and Stonebridge so much that it took me a while to get over the fact that they were replaced but I'm really digging the new team. Um, I can't wait to see the direction of the final season. And I know there's going to be a shit ton of action. So guys that you're listening, I'm going to cover it. And we're just going to have a fun, just a fun time with that. And I, I, I can't wait to do it. All right. Well, I love the enthusiasm. We're going to have that for you and I have so much more on bulletproofaction.com for the real Todd Gaines and Chad Cruz. I am Chris, the brain, and thank you for listening. listening to the Geekscape Network.